Are you ready for your mom to die? Wow, no one's ever asked me that before. Hey, I'm Lani Yamafuji, and I'm obsessed with philosophy and managing my mind through the unlimited stresses of taking care of aging parents. All emotions are welcome here. This is the Caregiving Philosophy Podcast. How are you? I'm great. It is so wonderful to finally meet you. I know. It's so good. No, I feel so connected to you because I have spent a few years like online kind of feeling like kind of on an island. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like I'm not the 24-7 in-person caregiver and there are a ton of accounts that share that information and do it so well. And I was just trying to figure out my place. And, you know, I felt like I was kind of molding myself a little bit and becoming something different. And then I really wanted to stay true to who I am and what I believe. And when I started doing that, I started finding other people like yourself. Yeah. Have such a similar ethos. And I really appreciate that. Oh, so much of the same views. So it's really, mm-hmm. really fun. Before we get into all the caregiving stuff, introduce yourself to everyone. My name is Jess. My mom is Patty. Um, she has been living with Alzheimer's disease for nearly 10 years now. Um, I work with her to make sure she's well taken care of, and we're trying to spread the word that love, joy, and connection are still possible in the face of dementia. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Alzheimer's underscore awakening. Um, and you can also find me on Substack at Alzheimer's awakening. Tell me like your situation and like what you're doing. And I know you're in Hawaii right now. I am in Hawaii. My parents live in Hawaii. Um, My my dad died in May. My dad died in May of 2023, dementia. So um, I've just been coming here like like the last five years, more than half of the year. (laughs) Come here like every other month at least, but stay longer than a month. So, wow. Yeah, it's been, been, a journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a journey. And and you have fam where do you live full time? Like where Arizona, are your Arizona. That's right. So yeah, I live in Tucson. So it's coming back and forth a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I it can be really I think we're caregivers, even if we're <laughs> back and forth and by then not full time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We we absolutely are. And I feel like that is something that comparison mindset is something I finally started to release towards the end of 2023 because you know we all bring value to this conversation and there are so many people that are in this long distance caregiving mm-hmm. like situation um it's very common and i know some of us would rather be the full-time caregivers i know like ken and i my husband and i have been trying to get my stepdad to move up we have mm-hmm. a space for them that's why we bought the house that we did and things like that but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And you just have to, you know, be there in reality as it is right now. Mm. And and for us, that's also long distance back and forth from Florida to North Carolina and mm. nowhere near as far as you're going. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's still impactful to be away from home and put like, you know, s- important parts of your life kind of on hold or Definitely. to the side, you know, do you yeah. have a family in Arizona? 
I do. I have a husband and um, my kids are grown up, though. I have three kids, but they live next door. <laughs> we, oh. have a du- we have a duplex cool. and they live on one side. Oh, wow. And I live on the, we live on the other side. So it's that's close. That's good. That's close. But mm. I don't think it matters how far, like seven hours, you know, the plane ride. I mean, it's just the same. It's hard mm-hmm. to be away and, mm-hmm. and you want to be there if there's an emergency. Absolutely. How is your mom doing right now? My mom is doing okay. I'm surprised because when my dad was really like the last year, my mom was health is so bad too. I, we, my sister and I both thought my mom would go first because my mom's health was so bad from all her stress. But after my dad passed away, my mom's got actually better and she's still getting better. And she's now this time is better than even the last time I was here. So, wow. Yeah, that's the stress incredible. can really, really affect your health so much. Definitely. Yeah, that's so hard. Um, I, I do, I am noticing my stepdad also having some health challenges. It's hard because to, to watch the family dynamics, because you watch the one person who is suffering with d- dementia, but then you watch the parent, the other parent, you know, their health start to decline. And I'm, I'm seeing that with my stepdad and, there's nothing major going on, but I can just, I can visually see it. And he's older. He's 76. I mean, that's difficult. And if you're not able to put the time and energy into your own body, you know, I, I can understand how your mom was doing worse um, mm. it, as that primary caregiver in that scenario. So right. but she's doing better. That's so yeah. great. It yeah. is really, really good. She was the primary caregiver until the last two years. And then he went to the dementia ward and they took care of them so but it's it's still stressful they lived in the same complex still so she visited every day mm-hmm. yeah. oh so is she in it she's in a she's in, a, assisted in an assisted living, living? Uh-huh. yeah right. yeah that's good that must give you some peace of mind when you're yes. not there mm-hmm. definitely because mm-hmm. she can call i mean she has fallen and she can call the front desk and they do whatever bring her to the hospital so, or great. so it's wow. good it's really yeah. good yeah, it's difficult because right now my mom is living at home with my stepdad and, you know, he's doing the best that he can. And we have a part-time caregiver that comes in five days a week. But, you know, my mom is starting to have even more mobility issues. She she doesn't walk very well anymore. She can walk, but, you know, tires are out pretty quickly and they're moving into a different phase right now regarding her mobility. And, you know, he has to, she needs assistance standing up and sitting down and laying down in bed. And so I, I worry about my stepdad and his Mm. ability to, you know, lift and pull and push. And I'm always like trying to get him to lift properly and, you know, bend from the knees, like, you know, know, like take it easy on your back. Don't hurt your own back. I know. I know. (laughs) So we try, we try, but you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, something I just keep going back to is like how we each deal with this dementia journey. Like it's an individual journey in a group setting, you know what right. I mean? Cause he's right. going through his own thing that have to do with my mom first and also working with me. And I'm going through my own thing <laughs> where I'm, I'm growing through the dementia journey, but also growing through like the process with him. And it's, it's really interesting. And I try to keep that in mind in my most frustrated moments that like these two people who stress me out a lot or who I allow to stress me out a lot, you know, they are like two of my greatest teachers in this life. So like, even even if I don't like 
you know, get along with them all the time or him all the time. Or if my mom, if I get frustrated about something, you know, a symptom that my mom's exhibiting, I just have to remember like when they are both gone, I'm going to look back on this time period and be like, wow, like they, they really molded me into who I am now, you know? So I try to keep that in mind. No, adversity is the best teacher. It's really, it's really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. I know I learned so much. Me too. I think about, about 12, 13 years ago, I was in a really bad depression, depressive state. And I actually had moved back in with my mom at that time. I was in my mid thirties and early thirties. And there I was living at home again, cause I was depressed and I mm -hmm. couldn't get out of it. I was on medication, all these things. You know, it's, it's just interesting to look back on that time period because I felt so stuck and everything felt so impossible. But now it's like I'm drawing on all of that mm. time. You know, it's like such a great reference point, this adversity, because you see it and then you're like, wow, like I moved through that. You know, right. I got through that one and now I'm I'm here. And, and you know, I, I hope m many people are able to see that about this journey with dementia. It's like we're we're actively learning so much if we choose to approach it that way, you know. Right. I had gone through a, a, like a severe anxiety at one point in my life. And that is when I started to learn more too, like meditation and yes, you know, me calming too. yourself down and mm -hmm. thinking through everything. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. I was on anti-anxiety meds and my dad said to me, you know how sometimes people say something to you and it just like finds the deepest crevice in your mind and it never leaves? <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my dad said to me, you're going to have to find another way to deal with this. Mm. And and he he was referencing like, do, do you want to be on this medication for the rest of your life? And granted, many people do actually need to be on medication for the rest of their lives. I'm not mm. downplaying that severity, but like in in our in my situation, he was he was right. I didn't need to find alternative ways to calm myself, alternative ways of being that weren't just driven by medication. And and so he you know, he's right. And so I did start to learn about meditation. I also started to learn about like how I talk to myself. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's such an undervalued oh. piece of this. That's so important. Like that voice never stops, right. you know? And so, you know, when that voice is going on and on and on, it's like, you, you got to get a grasp on that. Otherwise that subconscious voice is just running your life and you're just right. like kind of a shell, you know? That's a, the problem is, is, is subconscious. I have been practicing like for so long that I, yeah, you're fooling yourself or you're just, that's just an excuse. <laughs> exactly. And, and sometimes even if you're aware, sometimes you still let that voice run everything. Right. right? Cause like yeah, it sure. takes. It takes effort. Like all this takes a lot of effort and practice. And like sometimes you're just like, I don't want to go exactly. ahead. I'm I'm going to eat the bag of chips or I'm going to do the thing that I know may not be the best for me. I'm going to like binge YouTube instead of doing my yoga practice. You know, totally, sometimes you just do totally. that. That's you know, fine. Well, I think it's fine as whatever you do, as long as you're aware of what you're doing. <laughs> yes. Good point. Valid, valid, valid point. Because yeah, then you still are in charge. You're, you're still, still in charge. And I'm going to eat mm -hmm. that bag of chips or whatever. So that's still in whatever charge. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I read a most excellent book on this called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Have you ever mm, read that I've book? I've never read that. 
Oh my gosh. It's it. so good. It's so good. So he has an analogy in that book that like I will forever recall. He talks about how that voice inside your head, you know, when that voice gets very um, accusatory to you or when that voice is like putting you down, you know, if you personify that voice and pretend it was a visitor in your home, would you let that person stay in your house mm. if they were simply telling you like you're horrible? What are you doing with your life? Things like that. Oh, you say, get out. <laughs> right. But for some reason, we just let that voice sit in our head and just like put us down and um, criticize everything we do or hold us back. But so when, when I get to that point, like sometimes I will say to myself, like, leave, just, just get out of here, you know? And so yeah. that analogy really helped oh, me. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really it's good. It's an awesome book, and he does a lot of really great talks and podcasts um, just about appreciating life as it comes rather than um, making it something else. So, you know, life is just like lifing, mm -hmm. right? But <laughs> our perception of everything that happens literally starts with that voice. Right. So we can tell ourselves it's horrible. We can say, oh, this is great, you know, right. but, it, but it all starts there. And that lens that we see things through that is completely shaping our experience of life moment by moment by moment. And it's just wild because like so many of us, um, me formally, but we thought we didn't have a choice in how to react or things come our way and no, it's just bad, you know, right. or, right. you know, you're stuck in a traffic jam and you're complaining about the traffic without thinking about the fact that you are also the traffic. You know, things like that. Where it's like, <laughs> That's good. I love that one. <laughs> that no, so really no, we all were cool. that way because I think when we're kids, you have to go from a different mindset when you're a child to when you're an adult. So it's hard exactly. to move, move there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So you've been studying Stoicism for a while now? I have at least five years, but... I've known about the thought kind of thing for a long time. So that was because I always go back to this one um, story in my mind that I had from all the way from college. And this man, old, older man, cut right in front of me in line. And I'm like, well, that's weird. You know, I'm standing right here. I don't know what he's doing, but oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went and told my mom about it. And I'm, he's, he's like, Is, was he a white older man? I'm like, yeah. Like, well, that's because he's racist against Japanese people for starting the war. Because my mom was born like a month after the war started. Her name is V for victory. It, oh, on the wow. war. She was born yeah. during the war and in Hawaii. Oh, right. You wow. Know. So she has wow. all this in her mind. Right. Of right. course. And then I'm like, well, no, <laughs> I mean, that you, I can see you just made it up out of your own mind. And right. I don't because of her that. perception. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So perception is everything. And then, you know, so all my life, I've learned what people say is always from their mind, not, mm -hmm. not, it's not the truth or, you know, anything like that. It's their reality. It doesn't have to be my reality. So yes. I, mm -hmm. I try to look at things like that all the time, and especially through this through this dementia, like well, whatever they're thinking is what's going on. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me, like against me or anything like that. It's yeah. just whatever they're thinking. 
That's a really good point. Um, I've been trying to take that mindset in regards to my stepdad and like just understanding his realm of knowledge compared to mine. And, you know, that's where he's coming from. And same with my Instagram account. You know, I, as the, as the numbers have grown, you know, I get, I get messages of people that, that don't agree with what I say mm -hmm. plenty. And, mm -hmm. you know, every once in a while, it's not the nicest tone or message. Tell me what, people they, call what, me what are they doing? What are they saying? So just, you know, if I get a message about um, if I'm being critical about my mom's care or if I am um, just expressing concern over her levels of care I've had people criticize me for, you know, not, not giving my stepdad enough credit. Um, and I can say, I bet it's on both sides, bad and good stuff you say. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I get, I get overwhelmingly more positive messages. But my point in sharing this is that, is that like when those negative, more negative toned messages started coming in, and I don't mind like not agreeing with people. Right. I actually like not agreeing with people sometimes, yeah. but um, Me too. yeah, because like <laughs> it just it just stretches you, right? You're right. just like forced to see something from a different vantage right. point. But I, but they, for some reason, those negative ones, they just always stick with you, and so. Right. My husband has been trying to help me through this and to see that often when people are expressing those words, like it's from their own vantage point. It's mm -hmm. through their own, it's their own projection of thoughts. And, right. you know, I think about my own projection of thoughts and they tend to be more positive. So like sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, maybe somebody was having an off day, maybe somebody was having an off year, maybe they're just upset with the world and it right. has nothing to do with me you know <laughs> right. so it's so important to keep that in mind Definitely. so that we don't take so much personally because like so much of this stuff is just you know, know. somebody else's opinion and vantage point you know right right i know i have been like my whole life almost hiding well not almost i do find myself hide, hiding the positivity and that sounds weird hiding the good stuff because people like think you're just trying to toxic positivity me or something right. like that. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. And like I I definitely went through a toxically positive period mm -hmm. of my life and I I did erroneously think that being positive was the way to be, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't mm -hmm. until I got more into meditation and mindfulness when I started to realize that like everything did not have to be positive. Right. You know, you know, like how so many people think meditation is like a bliss trip and you're just going to be happy and everything's <laughs> going to be great. Right. You know, sometimes I get off my cushion and I'm like, what was that? You know, and it's just like, but the point is, it's just like to experience life as it's coming moment by moment. And so, you know, that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Right. You know? I think that with people are mistaking my sometimes when I'm saying something, I'm just accepting all of the feelings. Yes. And um, what's coming out might be the more positive side, but it's really just accepting the negative too. It's accepting yeah. the positive and the negative. That's a really awesome way to explain it. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, because there's always like the the range of emotion really lives in every moment. You know, I can mm -hmm. right now talking to you, I can tap into sadness about my aging dog. Our dog is reaching the end of his life. Mm -hmm. I can also, yeah, but I can also tap into the joy of talking to you right now. I can right. talk to you about 
my happiness from being home in this moment because I travel a lot, you know, so so I could I could sit here and focus on the grief right. about my mom, you know, right. but it's literally all <laughs> so much like all the time. Yeah, there's so much all the time. Exactly. There's so mm-hmm. much all the time. There's every emotion. So yeah, especially on this dementia journey. And at like, you know, the more we we move with it and move through it, we can see that it's like, you know, I will be sitting with my mom and I will be so overwhelmingly sad, but also so overwhelmingly grateful that like mm-hmm. I still have time with her. And then that may morph into happiness because we're la- we we end up sharing a laugh or something like that. So I think it's important to just to understand that if we focus on the positive positive that's us taking control of that voice in our head and deciding this is this is what I want to focus on right now you know um and there are plenty of times that I focus on the sad so I can cry and release and get my feelings out and hear myself you know what I mean right, so right. it just really depends on what you choose to focus on at that exactly, time exactly you know? exactly and none of it's good or bad I mean focusing exactly. on the sad sometimes it's good to- Ooh, and yeah, focusing on everything. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. Whatever you feel like. Whatever you feel like. And that's, again, where that awareness piece comes in, because we do have more of an option. Like, certainly there have been times in my life that I've been overwhelmed with grief or loss, and it's been sad, and it's been very difficult to see anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. But but for me, from my experience, even during those times, like that was a choice. Even if I didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was, looking back, I'm like, oh, well, I, I actually did choose to just sit in my emotions, and that's right. okay, you know? Right. That's I mean, one thing I noticed for me, that grief is more of one that I choose to focus on sometimes. Like I don't want to get out of this right now. I just want to want to be in it. I don't know that that's one of the more emotions where I feel like okay, I'm just going to do that now. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've for the past six months, I've been grieving the loss of my cat. She ran away oh. this summer, oh. this past summer. Yeah, my best friend. She was the one who was with me during that depressive period, mm. and she really like kept me tethered. To the world. I, I had some really rough moments there where I did not know if I was going to make it through, quite frankly. Mm. And I had shut all the human beings out of my life, all family, all friends. I, I wouldn't respond to anyone, but I would sit there and talk to my cat bubbles. And so, you know, there have been times like over the past six months where I'll see a photo or I'll think of a memory and I do choose to focus on the grief. Because like for me, I feel like, and maybe you feel the same way and why you choose to focus on it sometimes is I feel like I need to process this. And if I do not sit with the emotion, if I do not allow the the grief to come through, like it's going to come through anyway. So Mm -hmm. I'd rather it come through if I'm making that choice rather than, you know, me blowing up at, you know, or, or treating someone else in a way a certain way because my grief is trying to manifest because i want i wouldn't let it out on its own you know Mm -hmm. i do think that's kind of like accepting accepting grief is more is a lot better than either stuffing it down or just trying you know trying to do something else or it's Mm going to come out somehow yeah yeah absolutely i read that you became a death doula i did why did you do that and tell me about it so a couple, a couple of reasons. So a death doula um, works in the end of life profession alongside, you know, hospice and, and other workers. But really, 
the work really spans out to many different areas. You know, a death doula can assist with end of life planning. Um, we can assist with helping recognize the fear that tends to surround death and helping people through that through death meditations or just through talking through what their fears are. Um, we can assist with legacy planning, you know, like mm. a lot of the fear that many people have, I think it stems from, you know, like, what am I doing in this life? Like, what did I do? You know, what did I do? Mm -hmm. So right. if I can help people plan ahead of time, you know, people that maybe want to start thinking about this in their 30s and 40s, mm. so that we can start doing you know, doing those things and living life in that way now so that when we're on our deathbed, we're not regretting the time that passed that we didn't take advantage of. Um, and then it's really philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about this. What's the meaning of my life? Yes. Because, because, um, Lonnie, I live my life like when I'm laying on my deathbed, I don't want to have regrets. Right. I want to be sitting there, laying there, being there, excited. Mm -hmm. about the the unknown that's mm -hmm. going to come. And quite frankly, I'm training myself now to be like that, you know, and mm -hmm. because that takes, you know, I ponder this quite often. I think about it. I write, you know, about how I would like to feel at that time. So I think legacy planning can really help, you know, people know like, okay, so my legacy, I want to be a nice person. I want to be known for being a nice person. Well, let's start living the life that way, you know? So that's, mm -hmm. That's a big aspect I want to help with. And then That's obviously great. sitting vigil. So, mm -hmm. you know, end of life doulas can do more practical things like sit bedside and give family members a break. We can do some, you know, on the fly planning um, for the family and or light housework if we need to like tidy up a room for, for the family. Um, it really just depends on what a family or a person needs. But the reason why I did this is mm -hmm. because... I wanted to get to know death better before my mom dies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the first reason, like right. first and foremost, because I was like, for me personally, knowledge is power. And if I can understand something before it happens, that takes like half of the fear and anxiety out of it for me. So I like to ponder things ahead of time. I like to visualize, you know, yes, and so me too. and I wanted to be able to do that with my mom, you know, um, so, and I also just wanted to give her a really good death. And like, yeah, I, I, that's good. I you know, that. so, so often we don't think about like having a good death. Mm -hmm. We just yeah. think about dying and then right. going off to wherever right. we decide, you know, but like, mm -hmm. why don't we talk about it more? It's literally mm -hmm. like the, the biggest thing that happens in our life besides birth. Right. So like, let's plan. Like right. my friend I and like I, that. my best friend and I, we have these little plans for when, you know, whoever dies first, we're, the other one's going to coordinate somebody to stand in the back of the funeral in all black with like a black umbrella and just standing there like <laughs> mysterious, you know, just to freak out all of our friends and family. But 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 talking about these things is like it lightens it all up. It does. And, and that's something that a reason why I wanted to go into this field, because like people aren't talking about this. Mm. So. So when I saw that on your yeah. thing, I'm like, oh, do I want to do that? That's not really cool. We need more people. So <laughs> do it if you're if you're called to do it. And um, you know, I really wanted to study with an organization that was very inclusive, that talked about maybe 
um, things that I wasn't aware of, you know, uh, other cultures or other um, ways of dying that maybe I wasn't aware of. So I actually studied with Alua Arthur and her company is called Going With Grace. And it was an absolutely life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, you know, I sat with people as they were grieving. You know, we we sat with each other as we were grieving and that in it of itself is like such a transformational experience to sit with someone while they're while they're crying and not trying to fix it, you know, to just mm -hmm. sit there and be mm -hmm. there. Um, which that alone, that little tidbit, I have used with my mom so many times already since I, I got this certification last year. So so yeah, I just I want to help my mom and help whoever else will, you know, wants the assistance. So right. I just think it's that's something that awesome. we don't talk enough about. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Mm -hmm. And through I, my spiritual studies, like I feel like the, the, the actual like dying process, it's so unknown, but why do we see the unknown as scary instead of exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that that goes along with like my, the way that I'm approaching dementia is that like we, what if we approached dementia and death with like curiosity instead of just like fear and anxiety, you know, if we, right. I love that. Yeah. It's really good. That's a really good way to look at it. Our brain just naturally wants to be fearful, but we can switch that if we understand what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that really, that, that same exposure type, methodology is is what i started using on instagram for my mom's instagram page is that i started following other caregivers so that i could see what was coming mm -hmm. and that was incredibly helpful for me and in fact i've been trying to get my stepdad to to do more research or to read some of the things that i've sent him or to sign up for like instagram so he can see like some real life examples of what's going to happen because that takes some of the mystery out of it. And then you can, you know, face everything with a more of a, a realistic mindset. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Right. Grief is so, I mean, people dying is so, so, so different for everyone. It's amazing how different it is for everyone too. I it mean, really it's all by the thoughts, of course, but everyone has <laughs> different thoughts about it. And and that's the thing. And like, you know, if we could just get more comfortable with whatever our our own feelings are around mm -hmm. it. I think that's that's what's most important. But so many people just push those thoughts to the side. Like, I do not even want to think about them. Almost like, you know, people think if I'm if I'm pondering death, that's going to bring it on. Right. It's like, right. Not, I know. That's not how this works. <laughs> I bet you ponder winning the lottery. Have you, have you won that yet? Like, I'm just saying. I mean, I believe, I believe that we can, like, visualize things and work towards those goals. And I do believe mm -hmm. the visually, yeah. visualization helps. But, like... Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's like, you know, if I just think about this thing, it's just right. going to happen, you know, exactly. and a lot, I think a lot of people think that about death. And that's why people are afraid to even think about how they would like to die. Like one of the mm. exercises we did um, on retreat was to think about our ideal death. Mm. Like, what does that look like? Like if you could control every scenario, every, every aspect of it, of that scenario, what would that look like for you? You know, do you that want? That reminds me of my mom. Um, for years and years, she kept this 
giant album of every single thing. Like you have to play this song and you have to invite these people and you oh, have to wow. do at this church and this and that for everything for my mom and dad. Wow. And then when my dad died, she didn't want to do any of it. And she said, don't do it for me either. It was mm. so different. <laughs> it was like for years of yeah. stuff. So I guess your vision can change at the very end. You know, you don't really know what what to expect. So you don't really know how you're going to feel at the time. But mm-hmm. it's good to plan and it's good to be able to let go either way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I started building my, my dying playlist um, on Spotify. <laughs> and it's not... It's funny because if you look at it and you're into the music I like, like it's not all like, you know, classical music with oh, strings. No, no, no. You know? <laughs> I've got some house music on there. I've got some <laughs> funk. I've got drum and bass even. And what I wanted to, to be was like, you know, all the music that hits my soul. Like oh, when I hear it, I'm yeah. just like, oh, you know, you feel your insights melt. I'm a right. huge music person. And like, that's what I want to hear at the end, uh-huh. you yep. know, because it's going to be the last <laughs> I time I hear these songs. And so I, I want yeah. it to be the songs that really like, oh, got me in the feels. Oh, yeah, you know? that's so, so great. So sure, I may not listen to that. I may not do and you know, it may not go the plan at all. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to well, keep be that dead, level so. of openness. <laughs> yeah, I'll be dead. So like, I won't care. So it's whatever the other people are thinking, that's what's going to go on. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's another aspect of the doula work that I, I do want to help with is to help advocate for the person that's dying. Because I think quite mm-hmm. often what can happen is, you know, people lose that autonomy. And this is like mm-hmm. the last chance that we get to have autonomy over our mm-hmm. body and our being. Yeah. And so I think it's so important to follow those wishes and those desires that if that person was clear about what those are. Right. Um, and I know that can be really difficult for a lot of people, especially if people have like do not resuscitate disorders right. and things like that. And that's why it's so important for the person who is planning to share this information with their family and friends and literally talk about what that means so that everyone's more prepared. But my doula work, I do want to really help advocate on behalf of that person if that person can no longer communicate what those needs are or wants, you know? Right, right. Yes, very important. Everyone has their own opinions about what should go on. Absolutely. Um, But this is one of the challenges with the current scenario with my mom is that I feel like I have three full-time jobs right now, and it's Mm -hmm. really difficult to focus on building, you know, this other career um this other you know my do my doula work it's it's slow moving and i know it's coming and i'm not trying to rush anything and i have you know many steps to take as i'm starting you know i i still need to begin volunteering with hospice and things like that so i can get to know the needs of the hospice work workers in my area and just get to know the end of life field in my area but it's difficult because of all the trips back and forth, mm-hmm. right. um, you know, to Florida and then my my actual full-time job. So I do have a corporate full-time job. <laughs> I don't know uh, how you do that, Jess. Honestly, sometimes I don't either. I was thinking about it in the shower today and I was like, wow, it really is three full-time jobs right now, oh, you yes. know? Um, because, but I don't, I'm so hooked on, I'm hooked on helping people. And I know that sounds so cheesy. I just love like, I love it when I get messages like you you have helped my entire family, mm-hmm. you know, 
And so for me, that is like the motivation mm -hmm. that just, I, I just want to keep helping people in that way. So like the third job, like the dementia work and the doula mm -hmm. work, that's the one I, I, I love that just like I love, you know, the work with my mom. So Right. The other work is great, pays the bills, and and is wonderful. But you know, eventually, I'll be doing my own thing. And transition to that <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for your mom to die? <sighs> wow, no one's ever asked me that before. You know, if she were to die right now, I'd be fine. I I honestly would be. I will grieve, and it will be horrible and sad. Um. But yeah, I do feel like I am because I've leaned in so much. If I were, if I had stuck my head in the sand and had not been involved on this dementia journey, I would be very uncomfortable answering this question because mm -hmm. I don't think I would be ready. But, you know, every moment I'm with her, I value as if it were the last time because dementia has shown me, Alzheimer's has shown me that you know, there, there is going to be a last time for everything. And mm -hmm. you don't know when that is. Like, I think a lot about like the last time my mom used a cell phone, the last time she tied her shoes, the last time uh, she drove her car. And like, we didn't know any of those were the last. Mm -hmm. And so when I am with her now, when I talk to her now, I try to treat every interaction as if it were the last. So yes, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I don't want that to happen, but you know, no one can last forever. We're all mm -hmm. a big cycle, you know, <laughs> yes. and there, there is an end to our cycle. That's yep. reality. That's, and I'm not trying to deny that. Yep. That's part of it. Part, so. of, the, part of life. It sure for is. Me, I, I wanted my dad to die. So yeah. for me, I didn't really have any grief about it because <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's what I you wanted. grieved. And you, you, you I also already grieved just grieved so long. Yeah. I mean, he had dementia for 10 years. My Plus he, going into um, her 10th year. Yep. Plus, he was starving himself to death. He starved himself to death. That was his end. So oh, I he, couldn't wait till uh, he was done with that. Yeah. Is that something that he planned ahead of time to do? No, no that's something that um, a lot of people's brains, they just lose the ability to swallow. Oh, that's so what happened. I thought not, you meant he had orders that he, no, because he didn't he, order gotcha. it, but he yeah. just could not eat, could not mm -hmm eat for the last year and couldn't in the end couldn't swallow it all really so yeah so it yeah, was that's so hard to watch that was the that was the grieving is watching somebody suffer that right. not wasn't so much the end that was for me the better part the relief that he could be done with that, that mm -hmm. part so i can totally understand that a hundred percent and you know that's that not only are we in a transitionary period with the mobility, but we are with eating as well. So mm -hmm. my mom is needing more prompting. You know, she sometimes won't use her spoon or her fork or her hands. I mean, she uses her hands a lot, which is totally fine. Um, however, she can can feed herself. But sometimes she does require like, you know, we'll feed her because she just kind of just stops. Yeah. And so that, you know. You watch these phases come in and, you know, I know there's going to be a phase when she holds food in her mouth. Mm -hmm. I know that. Yeah. I know there's a phase where she won't swallow anymore. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I see these these phases coming with reality that they're coming. But I also know that the hardest part for me through this whole thing has been watching my mom suffer. And I, I do know that when it comes to 
that point where I only see suffering, mm-hmm. I know that will be very difficult yeah. to watch. It, it will very be. Hard. Yeah, that's very yeah. hard. My, I loved hospice when they finally came in, but I had to order hospice because my mom didn't. She oh, wow. could not believe that he was dying. She never could. She never oh. could believe it. It was so unbelievable after all that time i just i couldn't understand that the way she was thinking right right it's denial mm-hmm. but it was just until the end it was she didn't believe it even when he died wow. like did, how did he die so fast you know you're like it was not fast no it's like no. in slow motion is what yes. i call it for yeah. sure wow that's that's so true um because even now you know she I talk a lot about how I I don't like the phrase the long goodbye because I feel like it just like puts such a negative spin on mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. I rather call it the long appreciation because it's mm-hmm. giving me a chance to see all these things in mom. And I'm not only that, but I'm seeing all these ways we're similar. And it's just so cool to me that I am going to see her within me because of this time together. Mm-hmm. But but I also recognize that, you know, it is a very slow progressive death because you know eat little bits are dying you know little mm. bits of her laugh or her personality or her right. mobility or her ability to smile you know i was looking mm. at old pics this morning and you know her smile now compared to her smile not even a year ago is, is very different you know so these are slow deaths that are happening one after another you know mm. and and that's why in a way i I appreciate the long grieving process mm-hmm. because like you, I have a feeling when she does pass, I think that I, you know, my grief muscles will be fully worked by mm-hmm. that time. Right. You know, I can also imagine myself feeling relief at, at that, at that point. Also sadness that she's no mm-hmm. longer here, but I, I do feel like, you know, once she's in a state of not being able to eat or express herself, that will be very difficult to to witness that sort of change in suffering for sure. Mm-hmm. I think about that way more than I care about her not knowing my name. I could care less mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. My, my mom already, she, you know, I've had moments where I've had moments where she looks at me and I can tell she doesn't really know who I am. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, I put on that Jessica smile and I kind of <laughs> like, uh, and, and then I get her back. But I know the reality is, is one day I'm going to do that and she's not going to come, mm-hmm. you know, she's not going to realize who I am. But that still doesn't pop. That That's mm-hmm. one piece that a lot of people ask me and I'm just like, I, I don't know why. Maybe because I don't hold a lot of weight in roles and names. Like, I feel like there's so much more to a person than the, those two things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's weird how the dementia affects different people in different ways, though, because my dad knew me until like a week before the end. Oh, he wow. Was, he was so far gone already yeah. with his body and everything. But but yeah, it, it is so wild. I've had times where she has read something on the table and I'm like, how did you do What's... like, I, I don't know. I get so happy. I'm like, oh, I know. Gosh, that's so cool. You know? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> So that's all the little things. It really we is. We have to notice all the little things. That's good. I just love talking to like-minded people who I can fully express this like spiritual yeah. side of things. If you want to know everything about managing your emotions and having inner peace, you've got to get free will. The newsletter that shows you how to get through all the caregiving challenges. It's at caregivingphilosophy.com forward slash free will. 
go grab it now.